Hello and welcome to this special Edges and Sledges. We're doing this over Twitter space. We've just watched the ashes and this is a space for neutrals. So guys, thank you for joining. Ashwin, I know you're, you're probably, it's, it's daytime for you, so you're probably at work. So I know you probably have to drop off pretty quickly, but I want to hear the excitement, man. I know you were following the game. So tell me what your, what your first reaction is to that uh, Australian win. Yeah, the crazy thing is we were messaging about this as Indian fans, and I know you said as neutrals, but obviously we're not that neutral. But as Indian fans, it's hard because you kind of want both these guys to lose, right? You kind of want both England and Australia to, to not do as well. And if I get hate in the comments, please send it my way. But but this time, for some reason, with all the hype around baseball and all the ridiculousness of declaring an eight down and something about England just, just rubbed me the wrong way. And so I was cheering for Australia to win. And gosh, to see Cummins raised the arms in celebration at the end was was special, which, again, I'm not proud to say because it would be a fan, but, but happy for Australia, man. It's great. It's going to cause England to go back to the drawing board. I don't know. What about you, DJ? How are you feeling? Yeah, so I live in England, right? But I work at a firm which is partially Aussie and partially English. So uh, my colleagues are going to have a pretty interesting time tomorrow. But you know what I liked in this game uh, the most was the Nathan Lyon redemption arc. Everyone loves a, love, a good redemption arc, right? And you remember Headingly and Ben Stokes and he fumbles the ball and misses the run out and Justin Langer makes him rewatch it the next day if you watch the test documentary, which is, I mean, one of the most horrible things you can do to a cricketer, right? The guy's feeling bad enough. But for Gaz to stand up and do this by himself, I mean, it was incredible. He had a chance, a magnificent effort by uh, Stokes on the boundary, but oh my God, I mean, Gaz did show that he could back. I don't know. Uh, what about Uzi? Ashwin? Man, you have to give it to him, right? Like, I, what was the stat? Did you hear that stat? The, or the One of the first or the third or fourth batsmen in the history that they were able to find that has batted on all five days of a test match. I mean, magnificent century in that first innings, 141. And we'll talk a little bit about the send-off. And then 65, it looked like he was going to do it. It looked like he was going to do it. But for Ben Stokes, I think it was his first or second over, came back on and just just absolutely incredible. I mean, just, just unbelievable the fact that, uh, that Usman was able to have the innings. Yes, I mean, to think this guy got dropped from the side for not that long ago and just just seems, man, I'm, I'm still reacting so my analysis is not the most uh, coherent. But yeah, DJ, what do we think about Ollie Robinson? Should we talk about him a little? And then maybe at some point, if any of our listeners wants to come join us and chat, just uh, hit that request button and we'll see if the technology works. Yeah, Ollie Robinson, right? Um, very interesting, uh, him sledging Uzi. Uh, I think he called him a... Um, well, actually, this is probably a family-friendly show, so he can't repeat it. But um, yeah, he it's quite funny. And I think Nasser Hussain mentioned this on commentary, that the roles have been reversed. The Aussies are the ones getting sledged and the English are the ones doing the sledging. And it's all like, it's weird. I mean, what a, what a test match, dude. Like you had Ollie Robinson sledging Usman Khwaja. Usman Khwaja batting in normal kind of test match mode. You had uh, Moin Ali's finger disintegrating. Like literally, apparently seven layers of skin gone from his, from his, from his uh, hand. Joe Root bowling over after over. I mean, as neutral, as you say, we kind of, uh, I mean, it's okay, whichever team loses, right? But it felt like test cricket was restored to some normalcy here. 
And I, th- the I think whole the only thing would be craze. My- I mean, honestly, that declaration, Ashwin, on day one. What are we thinking about that? Like, you yeah, like- won the toss. You've batted first, a slow track, doing nothing. You've got nearly four hundred runs on day one. The crazy would, thing would Rohit about- Sharma or Virat ever have declared on day one? The thing is, the crazy thing with all this is that we. This is maybe the fifth or sixth time in the last five six years we've said, I think. Test cricket has been restored, or has been some kind of normalcy returned. So, it, I mean, it's just great, man. We've had some epic Test matches. You mentioned a couple. India has been part of a couple. I mean, you go to the Gabba, you go to a few of the the epic matches that have happened in the last few years. But to your to your um, question, any Indian captain have declared at what was it three ninety three for eight in seventy eight overs? First off, I don't see us getting to a point where we're making that kind of runs. 393 for 8 and 78 overs, just unbelievable. Like, absolutely baseball at its finest. And then, yeah, from there, I don't see any other captain having declared. And you can now sit back and say, it didn't work. It failed, right? They lost the test match. Arguably, maybe with uh, Ollie Robinson and Joe Root at the crease, you were looking at at least 30, 40 more runs. You can never predict exactly what was going to happen, but you, you could have probably backed at least 15, 20, 30 more runs, and that may have been... The distinction, which is absolutely crazy. So, anyway, lots lots to unpack. DJ, I'm not sure if you're still here. You can hear me or not. We're starting to to deal with some some additional technology issues. So, thank you to to Twitter for giving us that. I'm going to see if I can maybe add a couple of folks from the a couple of listeners and chat about that. Let's see if this uh, this works right here. So, let's see. Are you there? Who whoever uncle from Tipa Sandrise? Is that can you hear me right <laughs> yeah. now? If you yeah, like I can hear you, man. Cool. What's going on? What's your What's your uh, name? My, my name is actually Dimash, uh, and I work in Amsterdam. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a big sucker for Indian cricket, so here I am listening to an Ashes victory by Australia. Exciting! Thanks for joining. Uh, no, I appreciate your work, uh, like the work that you guys do around cr- uh, Indian cricket and uh, uh, on cricket in general, especially on these historic victories. So appreciate your hard work, and I know you all three of you are uh, different parts of the world, but. Uh, Appreciate you take time for us to join together, a kind of uh, let us cry together when India loses, let us rejoice together when India wins. I, I think uh, coming back to Ashes, uh, the only deviation I have from what you just mentioned regarding whether Virat or, or Rohit would ever declare on day one, I don't think uh, Indian team is stupid enough to declare on day one, very honestly. I mean, look, what the whole basketball thing, it went too far ahead in their head. They really thought that they're going to finish this test in four days. But if you look back at the history of uh, the, this particular test match venue, which is in uh, Birmingham, uh, this particular venue always yields results and there's not much that you can do as a bowling team on that deck. So I don't really think there is any smartness in declaring on day one, even though you would have made 400. I mean, just make 450 and then declare on next day. I mean, remember that time when India was playing against England and uh, Virat Kohli basically made them come on the field for next three, four overs when Shami and Bhumra was basically swinging them bats around? I think it basically puts a, a kind of a mental game victory when you call them again to play next day, even though you play just half of first session. But then you declare. I think baseball, they had taken it, the media glamour and everything, they had taken it a bit too far and I don't really think they should have declared on day one. Although, I'm I'm pleasantly happy that England lost. And among the two <laughs> two worst enemies, I would opt for Australia to win rather than England. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. And really well said, right? I think there's a there's a power to having them walk back on, reset fields, do all of that stuff all for the next morning. And I think you're absolutely right. Now, I think the thing you have to give to Ben Stokes is in his last year or so as captain, he is 
made some absolutely crazy decisions, and most of them have worked out. So we could have been sitting here. I mean, it, all it would have taken was two deliveries for Lyon or Cummins to get out, and we would have sat here saying, wow, Ben Stokes, despite the rain around, et cetera, managed to get a result. In this case, you know, what, what did they say? Live by the sword, die by the sword a little bit, right? Sure. It's a high-risk captain and that didn't pay off. I, I think that's the only way England has currently to keep cricket in any form alive in their particular venue. Look, they don't have a big population strength as we have in India. They don't have as many eyeballs or advertisements or like different media rights going on as we have in India. Look, they only have sky cricket. I mean, that's the only last realm of cricket supporting uh, structure that they have around. So, they this is, this is not out of will. This is out of commitment. Compulsion. There is no other way they can keep cricket alive in order to have people come into England's stadium on a weekday. This bass ball and the media hype around is the only way. Again, coming back to your point as to why, and I see, like, I kind of feel a lot more Indians was watching this match going through my Twitter TL rather than anywhere else in the world. And the reason is not because... It, they have a great test match health in that country. It's because this is the only big clash they have outside of ICC tournaments. Imagine if India was playing Pakistan over the course of years. Imagine how big that test match series would have been. So I think it's it's just a matter of how and when, what team is playing in England. And because of the history behind Ashes, this is the big test cricket venue out there. Otherwise, look at the Border Gavaskar Trophy and that has also been picking up in terms of the, the glamour and the eyeballs that it has been gathering, especially in the last five, six years. Yeah, I, I again, couldn't agree more. You said it really, really well. I think, he, you know, England's done it. They needed to. I'm Full credit, man. Birmingham on a Monday and Tuesday were packed absolutely. The crowds were singing. They were sledging. They were making fun of Steve Smith. They were just having a good time. And that is great for the sport as a whole. So, so you you know, you have to appreciate it. Devansh, before I let you go and we go back to DJ, let me ask you quickly, what was your one favorite moment from the five amazing days of this test match? I mean, it was just ups and downs, ups and downs. Would you highlight uh, one sure. favorite moment? I think, uh, I think someone mentioned also that it was a a new arc for uh, uh, Lyon. But I understand Lyon. Very honestly, I, I haven't played international cricket. I've played district cricket. But I don't rate Lyon as a fucking baller, very honestly. I mean, he's a good spinner, but that is all that he is. In fact, I really loved the Usman Khwaza's arc in that sense. I mean, he didn't even play the World Test Championship, but in a way, he came back and to perform in Ashes after a, at a brief buffer period in between, I think that takes a lot. And I think if you take away Usman's score of 160 and then 140 and 60 in the second innings and the first innings, I think that basically changes the game. They take out Usman's score and then Australia basically falls short of everything that they have done so far. Yeah, well said. I haven't. We came straight here, so I don't know if Usman ended up winning man of the match. It looks like he did actually win player of the match. So thank you, Devanj, for joining. Great analysis. Good to chat with you, and thanks for being a for being a listener, DJ. I think you're back. What is your take on the Nathan Lyon not being rated by Devanj? Sure. He's clearly a Rishabh Pant fan, no? <laughs> Excuse me, I have, I have been and always coming from a place close to Ranchi is always MS Dhoni fan. Nothing comes close to that. Sorry. But, but you can be both, right? This is not an exclusive club. I know. It, it, it's, it's a mono-god religion that MS Dhoni has. So I'm not going to include. But yes, Rishabh Pant. Trust me, India's test match, all the hype and the negativity we have around in the last couple of matches we have, it's because Rishabh Pant is not. Bhumra can still be uh, compensated with other seamers that we have. Rishabh Pant's position and the wicket-keeping that he aligns is unmatchable. So I'm sure he has done great for Indian cricket and he'll continue to do so. Okay.
Yeah, but I mean, Lions got nearly 500 wickets, man. Um, it's hard to argue with that. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry about this, that, but I, I basically it's my personal bias. No. I don't rate bald men. Don't. I don't rate Pep Guardiola. I don't rate Lion. <laughs> I don't rate them. So it's my poor problem, basically. <laughs> no, well said. Don't. Uh, no apology needed, man. This is a this is a great show. Uh, free to free to come on and share your points of view, DJ. Let me. Let me ask you a little bit about before we keep going, and maybe we have somebody else join us. But DJ Jimmy Anderson, was this the first time it's really felt like he might be past his prime? I mean, I just I just saw nothing from him really from from this test. Right, he bowled twenty one overs in the first test, picked up uh, picked up one wicket of Alex Carey, and then just nothing really of substance in that second innings. Was it? Is this it? Is he getting fatigued? Is he getting too old? What what happened to Jimmy? This yeah, time? really tough, man. I mean, if you they used to be able to throw the ball to Jimmy and get a wicket whenever they they did that, right? Uh, to see Ollie Robinson taking the the second new ball ahead of him with like thirty runs to go, I mean, Jimmy of five years ago would have been fuming at that because he's your guy with the new ball. So I hate to say this, but it looks like maybe the end of the line for. Uh, Mr. Anderson, and if you're yeah. if you're an English selector of Ben Stokes, are you sitting there saying Mark Wood, one of the fastest bowlers in the world, one of the just an out, unbelievable talent, was left out? Does he walk back in for the second test? So who do you leave out? Right, like Ollie Robinson is pretty good. No, I just you leave you leave out Jimmy, or you have to rotate through Jimmy and Stewart. Yeah. Like, I don't. I mean, but Stewart, you remember, is like five years younger than Jimmy, right? Like we put them in the same club, but. Uh, he there's five year difference between them. And Stuart Broad, I mean, bowled magnificently yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, bringing England back into the game after they were like 74 for no loss, right? I think it's time to take a hard call. Almost, I feel this is the beginning of the end. He's kept himself fit for a really long time. His longevity has been incredible. England's highest ever wicket taking fast bowler. I mean, in, insane. He's had a great run, but. Age, you can't, it catches up with everyone, right, in the end. So, um, yeah, I think they take a hard yeah. call and it's too much, it's too samey, if that makes sense. There's no X factor. And with Moeen, maybe Moeen sits out the next game. Root bowled as so, good as anybody else. So, maybe they don't need a specialist. Yeah, so and they just replace let's talk Moeen about, with Wood. Let's talk about Moeen for a quick second. And at Success Failure 8 has joined us. So, hopefully, uh, you can speak. Uh, if you're going to hit that unmute button, unmute button. But Moeen Ali, I mean, he looked okay when he started with the bat. And then, obviously, barring that injury, he, he did he did bowl pretty well. He had a couple of outstanding uh, wickets, including one just a, just an absolute jaffa he bowled in the second innings against Travis Head, right? Like... So, so do you really, leave, injury notwithstanding, do you really leave that guy out? I think you have to. I mean, I don't think he, his finger can withstand another test match, right? And there's no point. I mean, what would they have given for... Uh, they, he took a wicket yesterday and he tried his level best. And I think you have to give credit because he must have been in excruciating pain because spinning the ball where you've got a, basically a blister. And it's not like you can put compete on it and it will get fixed because... You can't have things on your spinning finger. You can't put plaster or anything on it. In fact, he, I think, even got fined 25% of his match fee because he's putting a drying agent on his hand, which was, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not allowed because you can't um, protect your fingers while bowling. So, And I think Lyon in his conference said, it's like asking a, a singer to go onto stage when they're like, they've got no vocal cords left and, and do a concert, yeah. which is... I mean, yeah. Lyon defended 
defended Moin a little. Uh, Harpajan defended him, saying, what's the big deal with the drying agent? I don't think there is actually a big deal. He just needed to inform the umpire. Mm. And so the issue isn't that he used it. It's that he just, without informing yeah. the umpire. Let me check if we've got our listeners uh, working. Is uh, at success failure 8 are you there? Can you hear us? Can you hit that unmute button? And, and you, would you like to say anything? Hello, I'm Ajit. Uh, I live in uh, Maharashtra. So... Along with Moin, I will also appreciate Root. Root has bowled beautifully this innings. So, I mean, he literally got uh, some 12 runs in 6 overs, uh, 12 overs, uh, 29 runs. So, that was also beautiful. Australia actually should have attacked Root more uh, initially uh, when they knew Moin is no, uh, not going to bowl much. So, that actually was their fault. And also, I want to appreciate England cause in this match. Because I thought uh, uncle from, I don't know what his name is, but uh, he didn't appreciate England much. Because England, I appreciate England. Uh, Yeah, I know. I don't appreciate them. I also did not want them to win this match. But I thought initially when they asked, uh, Stokes asked for flat flat tracks. No, I thought he's scared. And they are scared to play on hard hard, uh, batting conditions. So they don't want ball to swing. And uh, therefore, he asked uh, for uh, flat tracks. But uh, he fought this test hard. He literally uh, came to... Uh, literally, he was winning if uh, Bairstow did not, uh, doesn't do those mistakes in the first innings. Bairstow uh, slips up two, three chances. Uh, he slipped up one or two chances in this innings too. So, they are literally winning this test. Uh, up, uh, despite having scared approach at the start of the match. So, I think... Uh, England should be appreciate, uh, appreciated. Uh, it's same like uh, what happened to their 2019 World Cup. They also played uh, equally good to New Zealand, but still they don't get credit for what they did. Yeah, I mean, really well said. Thank you, Ajit, for joining us. Just great to great to hear everybody's comments. And I have to give him give him full credit for uh, give England full credit as well. DJ, I do want to talk to you a little bit about um, what actually how Root approached the innings. Right, he made a Made a, a, a fantastic century. Nice to see uh, Joe Root back in the run. Made a good forty-six. But do you remember? Do you remember what he did on his first ball? Do you want to talk a little bit about that one? Yeah, absolutely crazy. Like I think it was the first ball of the day that uh, Pat Cummins bowled to him, and uh, Joe Root attempted to reverse sweep him for six. He did reverse sweep Boland and uh, for for a six and a four later, but. I mean, it's just the way that England have decided to play cricket. Uh, what I find incredible is that uh, Kevin Peterson is on commentary, right? And Peterson, I remember in 2008, maybe, played a, a reverse sweep or a sweep shot in the West Indies and they lost that test match. And he was crucified by the English press for his his shot selection. And he's now on, he must be just looking on here saying, if I played 10 years later or, or 15 years later, I mean, uh, he would have just been backed to the absolute hill to play reverse sweeps. And there's a certain logic to it. It's You play the reverse sweep and then the uh, field disappears. And then you can knock singles and Joe Root will hit, like, just drop the ball to third man all day. And that's kind of what he did. He also got out stumped for the first time ever in his career. Um, Alex Carey got that stumping. In fact, Alex Carey also got Virat Kohli stumped. The last time uh, India played Australia in the World Test Championship final. I see we've got uh, Doda Ganesh, sir, as a speaker. Uh, Doda, sir, welcome to Edges and Sledges Space. Thank you for joining us. Uh, could you give us some thoughts on, on, on the first Ashes Test match? Was it 
as exciting as the game in uh, 2005, as some of us old enough to have watched that game remember. And as the only person here who's played Test cricket, indeed, indeed. The 2005 Edge Baston Test match was one of the most exciting Test matches, and it was kind of the the spirit of of Warney that that carried on, right? Because uh, Shane Warne was batting in that Test match uh, before I think he got out hit wicket, and then Australia lost by like two runs in 2005. And this is there's so much like uh, redemption story for Australia from 2005, the redemption arc for Nathan Lyon from the last Ashes. I mean, it's. It's quite funny that growing up in the 2000s, uh, I probably supported England more than I supported Australia in the Ashes. Ashwin, I don't know about you because Australia dominated yeah, cricket uh, so much, right, back then. I mean, the thing is, it's just been this last couple of years of baseball that's made it harder to like them or support them. But let me ask you, going to the next one, two questions. First one, does this mean does this make it hard a little less that Australia are World Test champions so that we couldn't do it? Do, I mean, is it, are they just that good a Test side, DJ? They are a good test side. I mean, they've played the way have been playing for the last two years. They are the World Test Championship final uh, winners. They're the champions. Uh, they beat India uh, last week or the week before that. They had a good run in in Pakistan, so they've done the hard yards. They they won in all sorts of places, Sri Lanka as well. And it's it's like they're coming back to the old days of Australian uh, supremacy, almost. But in, in a in a Nice way, without the the swagger and the bravado and the and the sledging and the nastiness of the of the two thousands. Um, so yeah, I mean, right. it's it's a different These Australian side, but equally good in a way. Before we have to wrap this up, and I want to ask you the last couple of things. And how much do you think England regrets that second innings not getting that extra twenty five thirty runs? You look down that scorecard and say. Root and Brook both looked great, but both both scored just under a run of ball, but both got out in their forties. Then Stokes came out, also got out in his forties. I mean, all but one player got double digits, but nobody made it past forty six. And are they just? Is that was that the difference here that nobody was able to in that second innings uh, just stand up at all? Uh, well, I mean, hindsight is is twenty twenty, right? Like, and they didn't actually go ahead and score that that big score. Like, Root got a hundred in the first innings. But I mean, you you could equally say that they may have regretted not having batted on on day one. Thirty thirty minutes then would have put on more runs and would have probably resulted in a draw or even a win. Who who knows? But that's yeah. that's just the beauty of cricket. It was I think it was a great Test match. It was one of those Test matches where anything could happen. There was rain as well that turned up randomly from nowhere. So. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think a good start to the Ashes. I think this is the makings of a pretty epic Ashes, to be honest. It's much better than the shit down under, which Australia just yeah, crashed so England you, all the time. So, what do you think happens here? There were teams that predict both sides predicted five love, five uh, zero <laughs> for their own country. Obviously, at one zero, England's chances of sweeping are done now. But what do you think happens from here, DJ? England is obviously a quality side, especially at home. Uh, do you see them finding their way back in? So I think they will. I think they'll they'll roll out some green tops. Lords is usually pretty green. Uh, help helpful to seamers, but I think they're wary of the Australian bowling as well. With Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark didn't even play this game. Boland. So I think it'll be interesting. I think as a neutral, what you'd like to see is a close game like this. Then you like to see a couple of kind of humiliating losses on both sides, and then another close game in some. <laughs> but that's just the, that's just the neutral in me speaking. I don't yeah. know. 
Actually, just have a question for the host and whoever is interested. Uh, this is regarding Moin Ali and his injury, which basically looks like it's going to happen because someone who hasn't played Test cricket for a while, uh, you suddenly get him into ashes, the pressure and everything it gets to him. But does England certainly have a dearth of a conventional spinner that they have to call back uh, ashes and lull moment with Moin Ali, and they don't have anyone else in the pipeline? Dizzy, I'll let you take that one first. What do you think? Uh, Dom Beth must be pretty upset about that, right? <laughs> He played the test matches, what, two years ago? 2021? Uh, got Virat Kohli out as well, if I'm not wrong. Um, but it's, I think spinners aren't, firstly, the tracks in England don't really help spinners. I think Jack Leach plays for Somerset, which helped him develop as a bowler. But they've got green tracks, which early season, there's too much movement. And so WWC must take all the wickets before the spinners can come on. So there is a genuine issue. And then the other problem is T20 cricket, right? Like, why would you try and become a test specialist when you can bowl four overs and get paid a million quid? So that's that's the problem that spinners in England face. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they went through Adil Rashid and then Moin. And now as they're going through guys who are prioritizing T20 cricket, it just seems, it doesn't seem like it's working. I'm getting a lot of you guys requesting to come on. Unfortunately, we're a little bit over our time, so we're not going to be able to take any more listeners. Thank you for those of you who did speak. DJ, thank you for joining me. This has been fun, despite the early technology challenges we had. We should try to do this more often. If the second test match is as close, maybe we'll try to do it. Otherwise, we should be back with our normal routine of uh, regular Edges and Sledges episodes soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for tuning into this Twitter space. We will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>